everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. I want to share with you the most swaggeristic or swaggeristic snack known to man, the powdered sugar donut. I love powdered sugar donuts. They're delicious and nutritious, <laughs> packed with protein. The sublime simplicity. I just love the powdered sugar donut. There's something about it. Also, I love all the additives. <laughs> when the additives take up most of the back of the bag, you know you're in trouble, but Mm. Who would like some powdered sugar donut? Anybody? The balcony. I hope I don't hurt anybody, but we have great legal representation here. Whoa! Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm. There's nothing like a powdered sugar donut, I'm telling you. It's unfair I've got milk. Whoa. Wow. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along because we're going to put the main scriptures on the side screens. If you're watching by television, we'll put them right there on the bottom of the screen. Or if you're watching this online, bottom of the screen. Or if you're like doing some kind of a podcast, bottom of the screen, and you can hear it and refer to it, etc. So, Acts chapter 8. Great, great text. Verses 26 through 39. I'm going to fly through these verses because these verses are about swagger. You got some serious swag going on. You've got a guy who basically is saying, I'm the man. This guy is a heavy hitter, a multi-billionaire if he lived in today's world. He's going to meet up with a guy who had confidence. And this guy who had confidence listened to God and walked the way God wanted him to. They have this collision, and it's a really, really cool story about swagger. Verse 28, Acts chapter 8. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, he's the guy with confidence, get ready and go south to the road that leads down to Gaza from Jerusalem, the desert road. Philip was one of the leaders in the early church. He understood that Christianity was not just a Jewish thing. He went to Samaria and began this incredible campaign where he led many, many people, non-Jews, to faith in Christ. So he was like, okay, I'm ready. I'll go where you want me to go. Well, God sends him to J-Town, Jerusalem. Verse 27, Philip got ready and went. On the road, he saw a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch. He was an important officer in the service of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. He was responsible for taking care of all of her money. 
He'd gone to Jerusalem to worship. So this dude who had pride going on, this dude who had worldly swagger going on, obviously is seeking God. He's going to Jerusalem to worship. And Judaism had infiltrated some of the Ethiopians, some of the officials. So he was just seeking God. He was investigating God. When someone is truly seeking, when someone is truly investigating the claims of Jesus, God always will reveal himself to that person, always. Some people are pseudo-seekers. They just talk smack and don't do jack. If you talk it and really walk it and seek God, I'll tell you again, he will always reveal himself to you. He'll put a person in your path like he put Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch's path to share with him the good news. Verse 28, he was on his way home. I'm talking about the Ethiopian eunuch in his swagon wagon, probably a Bentley chariot. He was sitting in his chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah, of course, an Old Testament figure. Isaiah is prophesying in this text, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading about Jesus. Jesus fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies, over 300. That's, that's crazy in detail. All of these people pointed to the birth, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So he was reading from the book of Isaiah, and I love verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, to just whisper to him, go to that chariot and stay near it. He had to see the chariot. I mean, it's a Bentley, right? It's a swagging wagon. He's like, whoa, look at that car. Wow. Dude's rolling on 20 foes, man. Look at that. Unbelievable. So, so the Spirit said, get near, stay near the chariot. God does that in any Christ follower's life. We have many people here on the floor in the balcony. Many people here in the family worship room where you have your babies right now. We have many people here at all of our environments. Many people here listening from downtown Dallas and Fort Worth. Plano, Miami, many people, many, many people are believers hearing my voice right now. You're followers of Christ. You've responded to the good news, and that's great. Also, we have a lot of people that show up here who are like the Ethiopian eunuch. You're seeking, you're investigating, you've not stepped over the line yet, you're not a follower of Christ. Let me talk to the Christian just for a second. If you're a believer, God will call you and call me so often to get near people who are far away from God. One of our missions as believers is to get near people who are far away from God. When we respond to the promptings, when we respond to the whisper of the Spirit of God, He'll always draw us near people who are far away from God. Are you staying near to people who are far away from God? It's a great question, a question that's very convicting, a question I ask myself regularly, a question we challenge the pastors here with regularly, a question I challenge you with regularly. Are you getting near people who are far away from God? In other words, who are you reaching? So when Philip ran toward the chariot, verse 30, he heard this guy reading the book of Isaiah. Philip asked, I like that, he asked him a question, right? Do you understand what you're reading? So many people are just one question away, one ask away from 
following Christ, from making that decision. Some are just one question away who are saying, I'm the man, I'm the woman. Some are just one question away who, who are, are freaked out with fear, who are apprehensive, who are afraid to take a risk. They're just one question away. Will you go for the ask? Will I go for the ask? Here very soon we have Easter coming up in a couple of weeks. We have squillions of people that show up at Fellowship Church when we have our Easter celebration. It's awesome. We're going to have a ginormous service Easter morning out by our lake. We have all of these services and we have these monstrous crowds and that is great. It's stunning to see all the people that show up. What God has tasked me with and what he's tasked you with, I'm talking again to Christians, is we've got to get near those Ethiopian eunuchs in our life, near those people who are far away from God, near those people who are seeking, and simply ask them to show up. This church is an absolute amazing evangelistic tool. This church is, is a church like I've never seen before. I have complete confidence, confidence, in inviting anybody, anywhere, anytime to hear the good news of Jesus. I don't care where they are. I don't care if they're an Ethiopian eunuch riding in a Bentley chariot. They can hear it and experience it right here. What are you doing? Who are you praying for? Who are you drawing near? Who are you asking? Wow, Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? In verse 31, he answered, well, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? That's what we should do as believers. Just explain your life to others. Well, man, I don't, I don't know the Bible. I don't know all the Bible either. I don't have an answer to all the questions. I don't either. And I've been to seminary. almost said cemetery. I've been to seminary. It's kind of the same thing. I've been to seminary. Just joking. I've been to seminary. Edit that out. I've been to seminary and studied the original languages and all that. There's some questions I still have that aren't answered. When I talk to people, I explain to them, okay, here's what God has done in my life and in the lives of people I've met all over the world. I was this way before God. I was seeking Him. I came to a point where I bowed the knee to Him, where I said, God, I'm not the man. Uh, I'm going to man down, or if I'm in fear, man up. And I'm going to say, God, and I said, God, I am your man. And, and He changed my life, and He's changed the lives of scores and scores of people I've met that have the same story. You share what God has done in your life as a believer. If you have questions or if you have issues or whatever, go to our resource center. There's a bunch of books you can give people if they want to read and talk about these questions or deal with some of these issues. We've got to explain to people, use words about the message of Christ. At Fellowship, one of the things that we want to do is we want to talk about things where people can understand the things we're talking about. We have people who attend Fellowship Church who are professors at different seminaries and colleges, brilliant people, earned doctorates. We have other people who are brand new believers. We have still others who've never crossed the line. When men of God and women of God open up the Word of God and talk to the people of God, something supernatural takes place. The most difficult thing that any communicator does is to take something complex, and this book, I can easily keep it complex, but to take something complex and make it simple. I didn't say shallow, simple. 
You've got to be able to understand what it's talking about and apply it. That's why 69%, 69% of Christ's words were words of application, words of so what. About 31% were words of information, the rest application. We want to explain it. So when you walk out of here, I don't want you to say, wow, man, that was muddy. I don't want you to say that. I want you to say, whoa, that was clear. That was simple. I understand what was being talked about. Because in any profession, in any profession, whatever you do for a living, or whatever I do, which is pastoring, I could talk over your heads like that. And people walk away and go, oh man, Ed's deep, wow. It's muddy, but he's deep, whoa. I'm not gonna do that. I wanna know it so well that I can explain it to you where you get it. I go to a doctor, I go to a dentist, I talk to someone in the real estate world, I talk to someone who's a teacher or an author. The brilliant people explain stuff where everyone can understand. And that's what Philip did, and that's what we're called to do as believers. Tell your story, tell your story. He answered, this is the Ethiopian eunuch, verse 31, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? Then he invited Philip to climb in and sit with him. I love that. Hey, Philip, come on, man, sit down in the leather, the Corinthian leather. Sit down and just chill. Let's, let's talk about this situation. Here's what's gonna happen. I'm talking to believers. You get near people who are far away from God. They will invite you into their lives. Why? It's not because of you. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. They're looking for Jesus. They're searching for Jesus. There's a family that my wife and I know, and the Spirit of God whispered to us to draw near to them. This family is totally far away from God, never been to church in their life. We just got near them. And amazingly, they began to engage us and ask us questions, and they began to invite us into their sphere of influence and into their lifestyle. And we've got invited to these parties where, where they've known people for years and years and years, and we're like the newbies, man. We, we're just barely there on the scene. They see, though, and they've not said Jesus, but they see something different in our lives. We're not perfect. We mess up all the time. They've invited us, though. The conversations that Lisa's had, that I've had, have been absolutely rich about the good news of Jesus. And I was at a party several months ago where they were asking me some of the deep questions about life. All of these people who were totally clueless about the claims of Jesus. When you're around people like that, you think differently, you pray differently, you read the Bible differently, you preach differently, you sing differently, you do life differently, you get coffee differently, you work out differently, you ride on the freeway differently, you work differently. Everything is radically changed. Why? Because we're doing what Jesus told us to do. The bookends of his ministry. When he started his public ministry, he said what? Reach out. When he ended his public ministry after the resurrection, right before he ascended, he said, reach out. A church is only a church, a New Testament church, if it's about the unchurched. A church is only a church if it's about the unchurched, because if it's not about the unchurched, you don't have discipleship. If it's not about the unchurched, you don't have growth. If it's not about the unchurched, you don't have evangelism. If it's not about the unchurched, you don't have real worship. 
So you give me a true church, you give me a church. It is about the unchurched. It's about people like the Ethiopian eunuch. Well, the plot clause, check it out. Look at verses 34 and 39. Acts chapter 8, the officer said to Philip, please tell me who the prophet's talking about, Isaiah. And of course, Philip gave him the good news. Verse 36 says that. Tells him the good news about Jesus. And the good news is the gospel. That's what the word gospel means, but it's not all good news. I can talk about just the good news, good news, good news, good news, good, 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 good news every time I speak, and that would not be all of the gospel. We have to realize how bad the bad news is first before we realize how awesome and how good the good news is. There's some bad news. The bad news is we're all sinners. We face the judgment of God without Jesus. We face a Christless eternity. That's, that's the bad news, man. If I'm prideful, I got I a man down. If I'm fearful, I got a man up. God, you're the man. I'm your man. I'm your woman. We have to make that decision, and we can only make it. The good news, though, about Jesus. When they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. And this and this dude, the Ethiopian eunuch, I mean, in his designer wardrobe and his Bentley chariot goes, there's some water, I want to get baptized. What? Look at verse 37. Philip said, well, whoa, 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 man. You better, uh, do you believe in your heart? Do you believe with everything, with the totality of who you are? Tax, title, and license? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again? Now, when you see the word believe, he's not saying belief without doubt. He's not saying belief without questions. We all have doubts and questions. Do you feed your faith or you doubt your doubts? You should feed your faith and doubt your doubts. We have doubts, as I say all the time around here. If you have no doubt, you've got no faith because with no doubt, you've got certainty and it's faith. So we're gonna have doubt. Doubt means you have faith. You can have doubts. Doubt your doubts, feed your faith. You go for the faith, you go for the doubt. This guy's investigating. He's like, hey, I'm gonna have God for this. I'm gonna step over the line. I, I am gonna believe I'm going to invite Jesus Christ to come into my life. And I love this. Then the officer commanded the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the officer went down into the water. Philip baptized him, the Ethiopian eunuch. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord took Philip away. The officer never saw him again. And the officer continued on his way home full of joy. Many people believe that the continent of Africa heard the gospel because of Philip's exchange with the Ethiopian eunuch. Is that powerful? Here's somebody, multi-billionaire, big time Jones, in the government, I'm the man, I handle the money. He was seeking, even though he had everything, there was something empty in his life. God put Philip in his life, he was dealing with pride and fear and security. He put someone with confidence in his life that shared with him the good news. The guy became a believer. And then what happened? He was baptized. He became a believer. That's a private thing, right? We've got to have private swagger to become a follower of Christ. We face our pride. We face our fear. God, it's you. I give myself to you. It's a private thing. Then, though, the private swagger goes public. The Bible commands us, after we become followers of Christ, to step up, to step out, and to step into liquid swagger. I'm talking about baptism. That's right, Jesus. Step up, step out, step into 
liquid swagger. What's the prerequisite of baptism? Repentance. Faith in Christ. It's a private thing. Then we go public. Godfidence. Godfidence. Public swagger. There's no such thing as saying, well, it's just a private thing. Every time Jesus calls somebody, he called them publicly. Every single time. Do you have your swag on? Do you have your swag on? You walking with that pimp limp? How's your style? How's your, how's your fashion, man? How, how is it? How is it? Do you know that fashion is important to God? Did you know that? A lot of us are fashion unconscious. Totally clueless. Supported to God. How's your fashion? How are your clothes, man? What? The Bible talks about clothes? Yeah. You better be dressed in the latest fashion. What's that? Galatians chapter 3, <laughs> verses 26 to 27. I'm going to teach you how to dress. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. You're sons of God. Through faith, read here, faith, repentance, Godfidence in Christ. All right? I'm a son, I'm a daughter. We sing that song here that we wrote at Fellowship Church. It now has gone all over the world, sons and daughters. Is that cool? You ever heard the song, sons and daughters? It's now being played all over the world. It's written right here, produced right here. Oh, we can clap better than that. Come on, come on, come on. See, those other, we can't let the other campuses beat us in clapping. We gotta dominate here. Yeah, man. Those cats in downtown Fort Worth and Miami go crazy. So I'm telling you, we have some competition going on. Anyway, you're a son or a daughter based on what? Your faith in Christ Jesus. 27, verse 27. For all of you were baptized. Faith in Christ, right? Prerequisite. Repentance, prerequisite. Then what happens? We represent. We repent. Then we represent. Say it with me. We repent. Then we represent. How do we represent? We get baptized. We step up. We step out. We step into liquid swagger. Now here's the fashion statement. Are you ready? I told you it's about dressing, man. It's about the clothes. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about the clothes. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Confidence. So, I become a follower of Christ. Repentance, faith, I'm clothed in Christ. I'm baptized, I'm, I'm, I'm enveloped, I'm clothed in Christ. I repent, then I represent. Watch this. If you repent but don't represent, you're a knockoff in the fashion world. If you don't repent and represent, you're a knock on what Jesus did for you on the cross and through the empty tomb. If you repent and represent you're a knockout on the runway of fashion. You know what that's gonna be? How many people in here, how many people in here um, are into Twitter? If you're into Twitter, that's the tweet of the day. Do it, okay. I'll let me give you some time. Just sit down for a second. Let me say it again so you can get this right. All right. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. It's very important. If you repent and don't represent, baptized, right, get baptized, you're a knockoff. Knockoff, you know, fake, 
Louis Vuitton, fake Gucci, fake whatever you want to say, a lot of fake watches, jewelry, everything's fake these days. The, 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 the knockoff industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, right? People say, fake it until you make it, whatever. It's pretty funny, isn't it? If you don't repent and just represent, it's a knock on what Jesus did for you and me. His death, burial, and resurrection. The, substitu the substitutionary atonement. If you repent and represent, if you step up, step out, and step into liquid swagger after you've made this decision, you are a knockout in the fashion world. Put that. Put that down. I didn't even come up with that line either. We had some help on that line. I didn't just make it up. But I had to say it several times because I get mixed up saying it. Repent, represent, represent, repent. You, know, you start talking and get nervous like, Ugh. but I got it right. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You, you got it. You're feeling me, aren't you? Say, Ed, I'm feeling you, man. Yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed, I understand what it means to be fashion forward, right? Well, as I was preparing this talk, I was thinking, okay, what are you going to be thinking while I'm doing this talk? What are you thinking while I'm talking about this? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, Ed, you've talked about baptism, stepping up, stepping out, stepping into liquid swagger. What about baptism? What about baptism? I mean, I mean, I got sprinkled as a child. So did Lisa, my wife. I got spritzed. I got poured. I mean, what's the deal? Why is baptism so big? When Jesus started his ministry, he stepped up, he stepped out, he stepped into liquid swagger. John the Baptist baptized him. Jesus went 60 miles out of the way to be baptized by immersion. Right before he ascended, once again, he said, go, not yo, go, not yo, go into all the world, right? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. Jesus taught his disciples about all of these subjects. The last thing he said was what? B -b 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 baptism. Baptism. Step up. Step out, step into liquid swagger. Challenge new believers from this day forward, because he was gonna, what? He was gonna wait 2,000 years and some change to come back. Challenge new believers from this day forward after they've repented to step up, to step out and step into liquid swagger. So it's about swagger, liquid swagger. Say swag with me. Swag. Give me an S. That stands for our sentence. That's the first part of baptism, our sentence. We deserve judgment. Baptism is about judgment. People all the time, oh man, don't judge me. You're judging me, man, you're judging me. Don't judge, I don't wanna judge. It's not politically correct. Well, the Bible is all about judgment. It's a theme in the Bible. God's a God of grace, God's a God of love. People are like, well, my God, <laughs> it might be your God, but that's not the God of the Bible. God has perfect symmetry. He's about love, about grace, but you can't talk about the mercy of God unless you talk about the judgment of God. Baptism is about the judgment of God. It's about S, the sentence we deserve. Think about water in the Bible. Water and judgment are commingled in Scripture. Chips and hot sauce. Well, if you're in Miami, if you're in Miami, milk and coffee. Café con leche, cortadito. Noah was spared, Noah and his family. The ark floated above the judgment of water that took out mankind 
because of their rebellion. Last session I talked about the children of Israel fleeing, going to the promised land, walking through the Red Sea. God split the waters, right? They walked through the waters of judgment. When the Egyptians got there, the waters drowned them. Jonah, God's running man, God said go this way, he went the other way, was tossed overboard in the belly of a fish. Three days, finally the fish barfed him up on land and he did it God's way, passing through the waters of judgment. When you're baptized, when you have confidence, when you go into liquid swagger, what happens? You are passing through the waters of judgment. It's the sentence you deserve, but you don't because of the mercy of God. W, give me a W. W. W stands for washing. The blood of Jesus, the Bible says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Some of you are fearful right now. You're like, oh man, man, you don't realize what I'm into, bro. You don't realize what I did last night. You don't realize how bad I've been. I've done this, I've done that. It would freak you out if you knew what I'm about. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, all immoral behavior, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've thought of, no matter what I've committed. Isn't that great? Isn't that good news? It's washing, washing. When you're baptized, when you step into liquid swagger, you're immersed. It symbolizes the blood that cleanses us from all sin. All sin. Give me an A. A. Stands for alliance. We're sons and daughters of the king. We're a part of God's team. All of us have played athletics before. You remember when you got your, your uniform, maybe as a little kid, soccer, you know? Oh, wow, it's uniform. It's incredible. Man, I'm representing. There's nothing like a uniform, is there? I don't care if you were in the band. Oh, I, got this, I got this jersey. It's awesome, man. How do I look, you know? How do I look, you know? So we, we, we love that. We love that, right? When we get baptized, when we get advertised, we're saying, you know what? I'm a part of your team. I'm representing. Jesus, I am hooked in to your family. Really, my last name is no longer Young. It's Christian. It's Ed Christian. It's Lisa Christian. It's Laurie Christian, it's Landra Christian, it's Lebeth Christian, it's EJ Christian. That's my last name. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> Give me a G. It stands for confidence. That's what we have. That's what we have. Privately and publicly. When you're baptized, you're saying, I got confidence, man. So if pride is your deal, you go under the water briefly, you come out of the water, boom, confidence. You got the swag, man, that'll, that'll deal with the pride. Man down, God, that stuff is buried, gone. Boom, I got your confidence. I've got your confidence, I got your swag. I got your look, your flow. I'm in on your plan for my life. If fear is your dear, deal, if fear is your deal, oh man, I'm fearful. What will I look like? My hair will be all jacked up. I get baptized. I don't know, man. I'm fearful of the water. There might be sharks, and maybe, 
Maybe they lose people now and then when they baptize the fellowship. I don't know. And I'm just so fearful. I'm, I'm fearful of fear. I'm fearful of fear. False evidence appearing real. Ah! Pride, man down. Fear, man up, woman up, and say, I'm going to get baptized. Baboosh, you come out of the water. Godfidence, you have the confidence to face the fear, the confidence to face the pride. People ask questions whenever I talk about baptism, liquid swagger. I was baptized, Ed, as a baby. Infant baptism, infant baptism. If you were baptized as an infant, lift your hand. A lot of people are, okay. Everybody, balcony, well, up there. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it up for that. Good for you. I went to an infant baptism a couple years ago, and, and the pastor carried this little baby boy up and down the aisle. He was singing this song. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. His parents were smiling, you know, taking pictures. And I'm thinking, this is great for the family. But I said, that little baby doesn't know if that's a Christian song or a song by Jay-Z. Baby has no clue. I want to tell you what the Bible says about infant baptism. I want to tell you how many times the Bible mentions infant baptism. I tried to find it. I tried to find it for, wow. It's not in here. There's nothing about infant baptism in the Bible. We're not at all saying, hey, your baptism didn't take. Awesome, you were baptized by, by being sprinkled as a kid. That's great. So was my wife. Amazing. And I've had the opportunity personally of baptizing a bunch of people, thousands of people in my life. Many of those had already been sprinkled as infants. I've never had one come up out of the water and go, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Well, I wish I hadn't been baptized the way Jesus was baptized. My hair all messed up. People laughing at the way I look. Eyeliner all run. I feel terrible. I've never met that person. And if you're worried about the way you look, think about Jesus. He was beaten beyond recognition. And you're telling me you're going to trust him with repentance and faith. You're going to trust him for your forever. And you will not humble yourself. You will not face your fear and get baptized. At Fellowship Church, we have infant parent-child dedication. We, though, baptize the way Scripture baptized. When a child is old enough to understand that they're a sinner, they need a Savior, and they make that decision, then we baptize them. And we baptize a lot of children. We, though, know that they know the 411 on the deal. The Clorox question is another one. People go, Okay, I'm a Christian because I've been baptized. Okay, I've eaten a bunch of donuts. Am I a donut? <laughs> I guess you could argue if I kept on eating donuts, I would turn into a donut-looking person, but it doesn't make me a donut, right? So baptism does not make you a believer. Just like eating a donut does not make you a hostess donut. Then there's the attorney question. Attorney, any attorneys we have in the house, don't lift your hand. I love, I love lawyers. Lawyers are great. Lawyers ask great questions. And you can say, technically, technically, can you be a follower of Christ without being baptism, without being baptized? Technically, can you be a believer without being baptized? The answer is yes, yes. 
The answer is yes. You're saved by grace through faith, period. Selah, end of story. However, if you're able, you take that private decision and step up and step out and step into liquid swagger. The only excuse you have for not being baptized is if you are being nailed to a cross right now. And as I look around, I don't see anybody being nailed to a cross. Ed, how can you say something so cruel? It's not cruel, it's Bible. Jesus was what? Crucified between two common criminals. One of the criminals said, Jesus, I wanna follow you. He had faith, he had confidence. Jesus said, from this day forward, You'll spend eternity with me in paradise. He didn't say, oh, jump down off the cross, get baptized, then we can talk. No, he didn't. The only excuse you have, and I'm nailed to a cross right now. We have such a phenomenal ministry to people who are physically challenged. We have baptized hundreds and hundreds of people who have physical challenges. And I'm telling you, it is so emotional. All of us leave the baptismal area with wet eyes when we see wheelchair after wheelchair or, or, or person to person physically challenged entering the waters of that liquid swagger. Man, it's cool. It's cool. One more question, and then we'll shut her down. The H2O question, Ed, how should I be baptized? Should I be sprinkled, spritz, poured, whatever. Let's go back to the donut. That's right. The sublime simplicity, the symmetry, the nutrition. It's unbelievable. Well, if I'm going to immerse this donut, which best symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the word in the Greek, baptizo, means to make fully wet to submerge, I'm not going to take some milk and just sprinkle it. I'm not going to take a little bit of milk and just pour it. No. I'm going to take this donut and dunk it. That makes it complete. That makes it complete. I want to do something I've never done before in the history of our church. I want to ask you a question. This is going to be a great question. How many of you have been baptized here at Fellowship? Lift your hand. I want you to look. Keep your hands up. Look around. The balcony is unbelievable. Unreal. Let's give them a crazy round of applause because that's what we're about. We are about... We are about, listen to me very carefully, conversion growth. We're not about swapping sheeple. <laughs> sheeple would be other Christians from other churches coming in. No, no. We're about conversion growth. Some of you here have never been baptized the way the Bible challenges us to be baptized. Some of you here maybe just maybe have never made the decision to become a follower of Christ. I'm gonna give you a chance right now to do that. And if you've done that and not been baptized, I'm gonna give you a chance to get baptized. If you've not done it, and when you do it, we'll give you a chance to, to be baptized. I'm gonna pray a prayer, it's a brief prayer, it'll last 20 seconds. I want every single person 
to say this prayer with me out loud. Many are saying it for the first time. Those of us who said it before, we're saying it to help those along who are doing it for the first time. Bow your heads with me for a moment. Say this prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I admit to you the obvious. Then I'm a sinner. I turn from my sins. I repent and turn to you. I believe with my heart that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins and rise again. And right now, I give you everything, tax, title, and license to you. Would you look at me for a second? I believe scores of you, scores of you prayed that prayer for the first time. Let me be the first to congratulate you. The Bible says this. The Bible says there is a party going on in heaven right now as you prayed that prayer here and in all of our environments in heaven. So let's give somebody a crazy round of applause. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.